Turn with me in your Bibles. Anyway, just pick a pick a. It's all good, and I'll I'll we'll join each other somewhere. I just want to quickly share. I'm sure. Some of you who have heard me preach will have heard me say this scripture over and over, but I just want to say it very quickly. Um, in Isaiah 34, Isaiah 34, we'll just read from one of the verses. Once the Spirit gives me revelation. Oh, there it is. It's revelation. Okay. 16, which says, Seek and read from the book of the Lord. Not one of these shall be missing. None shall be without her mate. For the mouth of the Lord has commanded and his spirit has gathered them. Seek and read from the book of the Lord. Not one of them shall be missing. None shall be without her mate. For the mouth of the Lord has commanded and his spirit has gathered them. One of the things that I've done over my life is try and make it a, 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 a commitment and a purpose that um, if I only can find one scripture, then I don't preach it. Um, every scripture has a mate. And if you can go find the mate, that's why Jesus said they went out by two. By two or more, things are confirmed. So you need two. So once you've got two, um, then God can um, empower, release uh, that which He's wanting to in and through uh, His Word. So the, this scripture basically is saying we find the mate and then we begin to declare it because it will come to pass and it will happen. Um, God will breathe over it. Amen. So... I want to share a couple of, of, of more than two, a couple of, uh, of words or verses this morning that just will want to empower us and just take us further as a church. So I want to um, spend a short, very brief moment um, just recapping a little bit in terms of our journey as a church, in terms of where we've been going in the last little while. I've been unpacking and I've been unfolding to us as a church just the reality of who we are in God, the reality of the temple, the reality of the way that Jesus made the new and living way, the understanding that we can now come in 24-7 boldly into His presence, the understanding of who we are, that we've been forgiven, we've been set free, we've been established, we've been guaranteed, we've been uh, accepted, approved, redeemed, delivered. We are uh, the righteousness of God. We, we have been made perfect uh, in Him, and uh, it's all because of Him and the grace of God, right? And the mercy of God. And when you preach this in the life of the church, in the past, what happens in, in a lot of churches is that, that we either get very nervous and we get very uncomfortable because this is against the, the, the normal current or flow, um, which very much wants to from church life wants us to go back into some kind of earning or working or deserving, uh, some kind of thing where we have to do our bit and our part. It's our natural uh, default without God is to go back to that place. So either the church gets uncomfortable, starts to find scriptures and, uh, and starts to try and um, make up a theology that will kind of bring us back. Or the church swings completely the other way and goes, this is so awesome. Um, we are, everything is done. It's all sorted, whatever. Now, this is great. I can put my feet up. And, uh, and we remain in the position that, and, and who, where we are at in our lives. And uh, anybody comes, we just say, no, the grace of God covers that, right? Uh, what happens is different things that happen in both, but the, the key thing that does happen is arrogance creeps into the life of the church. Pride comes into the life of the church. And... Uh, and then as soon as pride comes in, God opposes the proud. And the very thing that we stand for, the very thing that we're living for, which is grace, 
He only gives grace to the humble. Um, so I want to share something this morning that will just help us in our position in God. Um, I'm not going to go back and rehash and revisit all the stuff that I preached. But if you are here and you haven't heard the last couple of weeks of, of preach, then I encourage you to go and listen to all of those. Because um, I'm launching off today from an understanding of that. But I want to take it another step further and just move into uh, something um, a little more... Um, what do we do with that uh, revelation or that reality? Where should I start, Lord? Uh, let me, you know where I want to start? Let me say this. <laughs> so clever. I'm going to start in the garden. Let me say this from the garden. When Adam and Eve were walking around in the garden, um, and um, they were walking with the Lord, and, and it was beautiful, and everything was, was perfect and wonderful, um, the Bible says that they were naked and unashamed. And um, if you've been in church long enough, then you, you're long enough to gather around religious people um, who will kind of tell you, no, but they were covered and filled with the glory. They were covered and filled with the glory. Um, but the glory, which is a beautiful cloud, whatever, and that was like beautiful bikini and beautiful clothing, and it wrapped around them, whatever, and you couldn't really see anything. So that was their clothes. Their clothes was the glory, and it were all covered in the glory. That is absolute trashiola, <laughs> because the Bible says they were naked and they were unashamed. That means that Adam and Eve actually could see each other very clearly, and they were naked, right? But they were unashamed. So there was a nakedness that came with being, and, and you were unashamed. That's more the point of the exercise, is that you could see the nakedness and everything, but there was no shame in that. Let me say this, that um, if you were to get undressed or naked in front of a person, your spouse hopefully, um, and... Um, <laughs> Um, that is a place of trust, that is a place of total abandonment to that person. Um, that is what Adam and Eve had. Now, I'm in no way saying that God wants to restore us back to what Adam and Eve had, because God wants to restore us back way, way, way beyond that. Um, he's not going to put us back into a place where He just knows who we are, and we have another opportunity to go down a whole nother... But, he wants to establish us so powerfully. But that position of being naked and unashamed is the position that Jesus restored us back into as the people of God. Now you have to understand this morning, you have to have a revelation and that this is a place where there's complete trust in God, where everything is exposed, everything is there, and I'm unashamed. So you see, God had to have a salvation. He had to have a plan that could take care of everything so that nothing could hold us back from a full commitment, trust, a yieldedness, a giving to Jesus Christ in our all and our everything, right? So that's the position that we should be as we come before God. There should not be a place anywhere, church, where we are hiding, right? Because Adam and Eve hid because they were afraid, right? Fear drove them to a place of hiding, but, but God wants to bring them to a place where they are, unashamed, even though they are showing everything, right? So that's the heart. So understand now when what Jesus did on the cross was He brought us to this place 
where we, He took care of everything the way God sees us as pure, holy, uh, complete. Everything has been done. But the reality is, friends, is that we still are who we are and we still have all the warts and everything on our lives. It's not as if Jesus is turning a blind eye to that which you're involved in or doing that might not be quite Him, right? So it's got to be a place, the church has got to get a place where I'm secure in my identity and who I am as I stand before Him. But it's a place where I allow the Holy Spirit to bring my reality and into the connection with who I am in God. So that's why the Bible talks about sanctification. Sanctification, you have been sanctified, you are being sanctified, and you will be sanctified. Hebrews 10 talks about us having been sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, towards the end, it talks about us being sanctified. There is still a sanctification process that needs to take place in the church. We are not a bunch of people that just stick our heads in the ground and pretend like we don't know who we are and what God, what's going on in our lives, Right? That's where the church goes wrong. That's where the grace message, unfortunately, takes people into a wrong place because it's preached wrong. We must preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ empowers the church. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, the grace of God teaches us to say no. It must teach us to say no to ungodliness, even though the way God looks at us is perfect and holy and beautiful. The Holy Spirit is inside of us and He is not closing a blind eye. God is not some kind of weird God that just goes, well, I don't see anything anymore. I just, you, 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 you're beautiful. <laughs> Do you understand how the church can get so stupid? The reality is that God has done a complete work. In Jesus Christ, we are complete. God is outworking that which He has done in and through our lives. I work out my salvation with fear and trembling. I'm working out my salvation. My salvation, which is inside of me, is being outworked. So friends, our journey is to make sure that the godliness, the holiness of God, the Bible says 2 Peter chapter 1, you must add to your faith. Why do you have to add to your faith if everything is all perfect? Because we are still journeying sanctification. I must add to my faith virtue. Virtue, which is excellence, which is godliness, uh, which, which is, is God's, who God is. It's His righteousness. I've got to add an, an understanding of that. I've got to add to it knowledge. I've got to add to it brotherly affection. I've got to add to it love. I've got to add to it self-control and all the things. You can go read it. 2 Peter chapter 1. Um, but here's my heart this morning. There's something that shifts and something that changes in the church on the journey that the now church goes on once it has received its identity, once it has received its forgiveness, once it's been established in Jesus Christ and everything of who it is. There's a journey that it now goes on and the Bible's very clear on it and I want us to understand that a little bit more today. Hmm. Okay. So maybe... Maybe just go to Romans chapter 8 to start with. Let's, let's start there. Romans chapter 8. I don't feel like starting there. I'll start in Romans chapter 8. Let's start there. Boom. Okay. Romans chapter 8. Are you there? It's after Genesis and before Revelation. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, we should all know, but I just want to read some of these scriptures because sometimes we, how many know that the Word of God, don't read it in a big picture glance. How do you know, read it word by word. 
It is so powerful. Every single word is important. There's not one jot or tittle. I have no idea what that means, but <laughs> one jockey and one whatever. Um, the reality is that, that this thing was so uniquely orchestrated by God that there's not even little squeaky things that are out of place. It's, uh, so we must read it like that, right? Okay. So just because we can, let's just start from verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, how many know that's the position? That's, the, that's what God has called us to. That's who we are. There is now, therefore, no condemnation. Zero, nada, nothing, chien, zilch, German, uh, nix, nein. Want im Wogen, I cannot finding, finding the, the fault is not there, yes. Okay. Why am I going into German? Just because, no, anyway. Uh, yeah, it's a tongue. <laughs> that wasn't German, but anyway, <laughs> let's pretend it was. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life. How many know that God redeemed us from the law? Because the law was given, John chapter 1, uh, to Moses, and it couldn't help us at all. And we tried to achieve it. We tried to do it under the law, but we were never going to be able to do it. So Jesus had to come, and He had to redeem us. And we've now been redeemed from the law. We were redeemed from the curse of the law. We've been set free from the law. But now, all of a sudden, He's talking about the law. Now He says, the law of the Spirit of life. So there's another law. Oh my word. There's another law now. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That's just so powerful because the law of sin and death was horrible and vicious and uh, a cruel master. And now we've been set free from that by the law of the spirit of life. Right? Carry on reading just a little bit. Um, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful fl flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, most people, when they read that, they immediately go, yes, but you know what Jesus did. Jesus fulfilled everything. He came and He was perfect and He was our substitute and He died on our behalf and He fulfilled all the law um, and now He's fulfilled all the law and prophets and redeemed us from the law. That's not what that Scripture says. Even though that is perfectly true and powerful, and if you go back in the last couple of weeks, you will see that I was sharing that. That's not what that, that Scripture says. So let's have a quick look at what that Scripture says. It says, in order that, so He did all of this. Jesus came and died. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, not for us, in us. How is it fulfilled in us? Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So he's saying now that there's a, 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 a righteous requirement of the law that will be fulfilled in us for those who walk according to the Spirit. Are we there? Or are we now lost, deeply lost? Okay, so following that train of thought. God's saying that Jesus came so that we can fulfill this requirement of the law. In us. So how do we fulfill this requirement of the law? It says we must walk by the Spirit. Okay. 
Go, turn with me to Romans chapter 13. So we're in 8. I'm going to quickly turn to Romans chapter 13. I'm taking too long. Keep flashing that, uh, keep flashing that, the, the phone at me. Yes. Okay. So, this <laughs> makes Jane blush. No. Okay. Okay. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Look at this. Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has done a good job in God. What does your Bible say? Oh, no, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Ooh. So now, all of a sudden, things have changed. Now, all of a sudden, Jesus came along and said, I've redeemed you from that fraught law. Now you can begin to operate and fulfill another law. This law is the law of love. All right? Are we there? Not so much? Or Okay. Quickly skip to Galatians. Let's go to Galatians. I'm going to give you lots of Scripture because by two or more Scriptures, we can confirm that Grant is not eating too much cheese, but... He's still there, solid. The rain has not waterlogged his brain. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Well, in fact, if you just went to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, you would see it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So it was for freedom that Christ set us free, and we're not to submit again to a yoke of slavery. So this law can't be a yoking a law of slavery because we were, we were set free. We're now free, right? So there's a freedom here in what we were called to do. The reason why the church is not living in the freedom that it was called to do is because it's not living under this law. Okay. Now that sounds funny, but let's carry on reading. Okay. Galatians chapter 5. Let me quickly jump back to verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. You were called to freedom. The church is called to freedom. It is still getting itself free because of stuff that's been said, because of things that we've done or things that we've walked. But there's a freedom in God that God wants to release over the church at this time. You are called for freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. The whole law, the whole law is now all together, brought all together in one word. It's called love. Jesus is now speaking to us and saying, guys, what I've paid for is for you now to walk in the beauty of this understanding and that's love. But oh Lord, whew, the law was given to Moses. It, you know, it was very hard and I couldn't get it. So how do we do this thing? And oh no, it's a law again. It's just making me nervous. I'm twitching, Right. Uh, and how, how are we supposed to do this, right? Oh, glad you asked that question. I'm going to answer it. But let me just uh, prefix it by, if that's such a pre-something. Anyway, um, I've got to watch my words. Now. I'm creating new English language every day. So, um, 
Anyway, so here's just a journey very quickly on your heart, is that when we were under the law, there was a, a, a requirement of us in order for us to receive something. Praise God. Yes? Anyway, distracted. Revelation came. Suddenly then, woof. Um, so, so we had to do something in order to get something from God. And so we used to, we were performed, we earned, we did stuff, whatever. There was a whole lot of that understanding, right? Um, so now because there was that understanding and uh, it was kind of brought into this whole bracket of works, the works became a swear word, particularly in a church that preaches the gospel of grace. Whoa, no, not works. Works, evil, works, no good. Do nothing, very good, no, no. So works became a problem. The reality of that is that we have to go to the Bible and suddenly we're reading 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you can read it, verses 12 to 15, where you'll be te- fire will test what? What sort of work you have done? The fire is going to test your works. Oh, flip. The fire is going to test my works. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, suddenly we're seeing there that, hold on a minute, there's something that God's doing here that's in relation to our works, right? It's the judgment seat of God. It says everyone is going to come before the judgment seat of God and God will now reward those according to their works. Oh boy. Then we can jump all the way to um, one uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 17, where it starts talking now about that if we go to and ask of the Father who judges impartially according to our works. So now there is an understanding of the church that we have been freed from those works, but those the Bible calls are dead works. They're dead works, and, they, and we don't want to go back to that. But there are works that the church has to do. So when the church is empowered by the grace, understanding, empowered by the gospel, we should be a people that work harder than anyone else. And Paul could say, I work harder than all of you, but not me, the grace of God. So the activity and the power that should be inside of a church that's got a revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ should be a powerful church that's operating powerfully, every single thing apart, functioning. Not any part that's tired, not any part that's taking a break, not any part that's backing off, not any part that doesn't even care about doing anything because that's then you haven't understood the gospel of Jesus Christ and I need to drink or something because I'm losing my voice. Um, Do we understand that? We understand that because this, God's going to judge our lives based on what we actually are functioning and doing, not what we believe. There's so many scriptures I could share with you, so many. When God separates the sheep from the goats, when He separates the sheep from the goats, He doesn't say, okay, all those who've been in the prayer room come to one side. All those that have been reading their Bible, come one side. All those that have been doing this, come one side. No, he says, have you have gone and give a cup of water? Have you gone to and loved? Have you gone and cared? Have you gone and been active in ministering, active in doing something? Now that is doing something and I'm not negating it. I'm trying to explain something that this is more than just singing Kumbaya to the Lord. This is an activation inside of our hearts to be what? Love. There's a people out there, if we don't operate in love, they never see the example of love. 
They will never ever experience the love of God. If we are not loved, people will be, uh, what is happening in the church now, people will begin to get a wrong understanding of the heart of the Father because we say we're the body of Christ. We say that we're an expression of Jesus and who Jesus is. But that expression, if it's not true Jesus, they are not experiencing the love of God. Friends, we must not eat from the wrong tree. We must eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. People don't want what's right and wrong out there. They've got enough of that and they've got their own opinion and they're hiding. I wanna bring them into the light and bring them into a place where they can experience the tree of life. The tree of life that loves them, that just wants to surround them, wants to encourage them, wants them to be who He called them to be. Amen. Don't worry, God will take care of all the rest. You don't have to worry. We don't have to be the voice all the time that picks and says and it's picks, Right? Amen. Okay. Is this too strong? Because, sorry, I'm not taming it, but I'm just, I'm just asking whether it was too strong. Um, so Hebrews 7, 12, I'll just read some scripture. You don't have to go there. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Matthew 22, 37 to 40, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Amen. So having said all of that, so Jesus, help us now. How do we do this? Um, Yes, help me. How do I do that? Um, Okay. Just quickly, let's go to, let's try and do this quickly. James chapter one, let's go to James. You know, when I was at Bible college and, uh, and I was studying and the guy said, turn to James, I went, oh dear Lord, let's assume the position. <laughs> because James is quite, he's quite strong, but it's, it's, it's so, there's such revelation and pack. If you ever want to study a book with a whole lot of meat, it's in James. It's just a, it's got such truth there. But anyway, let's quickly. Um, uh, I love this. Know this, my beloved brothers. That's James chapter 1, verse 19. We can start there. Let every person be quick um, to speak, um, slow to hear, and slow <laughs> and uh, quick to get angry. No. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. I have so many people, especially over the last week or two weeks, as I'm just sharing with them, counseling, ministering to them, they go, but how do I know if I've been deceived? I just have a simple answer. So are you doing the word? Because if you're not, then you are deceived. Boom. I don't have to pray about it. Right? Okay. <laughs> Did I say that with a smile? <laughs> okay, I'll say it with a smile. When you... <laughs> no, okay. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. He's talking about a doer of the word and he's talking about a hearer of the word. So he's talking about someone who comes and has a look at themselves in the mirror, sees, oh, you've got a lecker pink thing there on your chin and then goes away and forgets and says, man, I'm marvelous. Look at me, chiseled, no, no blemishes, I'm brilliant, right? So that's not the church, Right? So just because I preached the gospel, 
of grace, the gospel of understanding, doesn't mean we go away and forget what we actually look like. That's called falseness. That's called hiding. That's actually from the pit, right? I'm just being very honest. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But listen to this. Listen to this. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. For the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. See, hearing the word without action is self-deception, right? Looking into the mirror of God's word helps you see clearly but it's not saying you do nothing about it, right? We look into the law of liberty. We look into Christ, not as one judged or condemned, but one who is free and we act upon the word and we are changed. So we're looking into the word um, and we're seeing ourselves completely free. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. So in the midst, in the midst of all my pimpleness, right? In the midst of all of that, Christ is shining. The glory of God is in the midst there and it's shining and I have no condemnation, no guilt or no shame in relation to that. But I'm not negating what I'm seeing. I'm then asking the Word of God to come and to begin to change me because it's a law of liberty and freedom. I stay free. I don't let that shackle me, right? But I'm still changing. I'm being transformed all the time from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. So looking into the Word of God should no longer be a judgment over our lives. It should be an impartation into our lives to transform. Right? Amen. Just quickly go to James chapter 2. While you're there. Maybe we can just read from verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Right? Verse 12. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So God is not wanting you to try and perform and earn and deserve and, and meet a certain requirement or standard. He's wanting you to live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. He's wanting you to live in the freedom of who He is. But we also can see Clearly, and now he wants us, as we look in there, not to be a people that walk away and go, look at me, I'm perfect, I'm great, everything's all lacquer, but actually there's a whole bunch of stuff that's operating in my life. Because out there, people are looking and they, they're not listening to your language, they're listening to your actions. They're listening to your heart. What you believe shows in what you do. Right? So, which, and also, it guards our heart against arrogance. Look at me. No, don't look at me. Look at Jesus. But Jesus is working in my life and I'm unashamed to come and stand and show you who I really am because I know who I am in His eyes and how He sees me. And even though I'm a work in progress, I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not hiding who I am. I'm not hiding that there's this issue or that issue or that I'm walking because I know who you are, Lord, and I know who I am. 
And I'm very, very, very happy to know that you see me as perfect. But I thank you that you became, let's just say it, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says, Christ became to me what? Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Christ became to us sanctification. I have to allow Christ to bring about a sanctification in my life. Amen. Okay. So there is a law here. So let me quickly say this. So Jesus comes along and says, now I want you to operate under a new law. And I'm not going to operate the same way the old happened because under the old, I, there, there was no help for you. You had to try and do it yourself because I had to point you to a Savior. The Savior has now come. The last thing I, the Savior wants to do is let you do this thing by yourself. So he says, right, you're going to operate under this new law. It's a law of liberty. But now under this new law, there's going to be, I'm going to help you and I'm going to show you right now in, 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 in two different areas that, that God does that. The first one is that he calls it the law of liberty. We look to the Spirit of God to help us and to change. Love flows from power within, not from pressure without. Love flows from power within, not from pressure without. This law of liberty and freedom comes by the Spirit of God. It's a leading of the Spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. We are led by the Spirit. Just quickly, if we go to Romans chapter 8, I'll just read that. You don't have to go there. Romans chapter 8. I'll just read quickly again just to help us. Uh, In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if you want the law of liberty to be uh, fulfilled inside of your life, you have to walk by the Spirit, the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. God gave us His Spirit so that we could live by the law of liberty. All right? I hope we're getting that. Anyway. So I am free from sin, but the law of liberty That freedom enables me to yield to the Word and be a doer of the Word and be transformed in Christ. I hope I'm making this an understanding. See, um, in in, um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul said this, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. See, God does care about your manner of life. He does care about how you operate, what you do, because He needs to love on a world that's dying and that's crying out. And the way He loves is through you and I because we are His body. So He wants the church to rise up into maturity and be the love that God has called us to be, right? And you can't do that by just... um, not dealing with who you are and and just quoting a whole bunch of Scripture. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work in our lives so that we can be love. I hope I'm saying that in the right way, Lord. Help me. Okay, let's go quickly to Galatians chapter 6 and I'll try and pull it together. I think that's all we can do today. 
Galatians chapter 6. Listen to this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We've just heard about the law of liberty, empowered by Holy Spirit. Do you want me to give you, I'll quickly, just, let me, I'll just, you don't have to go there, I'll say it so quickly, something inside of me says they need to hear this. So, um, if you just, if you went to uh, Colossians chapter 1, and you, and you um, it's verse 10, so to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. So who's strengthening you with all power? Jesus, the Spirit of God is strengthening you with all might so that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So God wants us to walk in the law of liberty, but the way He enables us to walk in the law of liberty is by His Holy Spirit, right? Um, Ephesians chapter 1, that was a big yawn. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. Um, just reading before, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. There's an immeasurable greatness of power towards us who believe, amen? So the, his power is working towards, if you, you went quickly to um, Ephesians 3, We'll quickly go to verse 14. For this reason I bow my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Verse 16. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through the, His Spirit in your inner being. He will grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Amen. Quickly go to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. And I better move on after that, but there are many other scriptures. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in your gym efforts and, no. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. In the strength of His might. Amen. So there is an empowering here by the Spirit of God um, that enables us to actually walk in this. So in the past where there was this law that it was totally required on us, now Jesus Christ is saying, I want you to walk in this new law. What's this law? It's the law of love. And you have no excuse now because now the Spirit of God is inside of you and it's empowering you to actually outwork this and to live this. As you walk by the Spirit, as you're led by the Spirit, as you have the fruit of the Spirit, it enables you to love. Amen. So it's the Spirit of God that enables us to do this. Then he says, brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual. Isn't that powerful? Before he goes on, he says, you who are spiritual. If you are born again and you have the Spirit of God inside of you, you are spiritual. But there is an inaction that needs to take place. How many know, how many know that God is in trusting and He's also in obeying? It's a beautiful old hymn, Trust and Obey. There's a trusting. You see, you trust in the Lord. Almost you just rely totally on the Holy Spirit. I trust you. Holy Spirit, you do it. But if we stay in that place, just that place, we get wacky. If I, if I don't, if I'm not obedient, or if I'm just an obedient, I get very arrogant because now I'm in my own efforts and own strength. It's not one or the other, it's both, church. 
I have to be in that place where Holy Spirit empowers me and Holy Spirit's doing it. I'm also in that place where I'm obeying because the Word of God, which is rich and powerful and it's active and it's working inside of my life, when it speaks, then I'm a doer because I'm looking in the mirror and I'm seeing, hold on a minute, I can see there, there's just a little bit over here and the Word of God says to me, you can take that away if you just walk like this. And then I go, thank you, Jesus, in obedience to you, I'm gonna walk like that. Silly example, but I'm just trying to give an example live while I'm doing this. Anyway, and it says you should restore him. Do you know what restore means? Restore means to mend the net. So restore means to, so that he can still function properly. You're not going to restore him by whacking the heck out of him so that he doesn't know who he is. You're restoring him because you're restoring back to his purpose and his destiny in God of who he was called to be, right? And you need to be spiritual in order to do this. Just unpacking the scripture. Then it says, keep watch over yourself lest you too be tempted. So straight away, immediately what he's trying to say to us is let's be careful that we don't get too arrogant that as we look and we see and identify something, then we're going to go and help that we don't get trip up in that same thing because of our arrogance because God can oppose our arrogance, right? Um, then listen to this verse two. That's actually what I really want to get to, but it's, it's in its context. Number two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So now there's a different law. It's the law of Christ. So what is the law of Christ? Well, our pursuit of love is guided and enabled by the life, word, and spirit of Jesus Christ. It's the law of Christ. Christ now lives inside of me. And my pursuit of love, my pursuit of the fulfillment of the law of Christ, which is the law of love, which is love, is Christ in me is the hope of glory. Christ in me divinely enables me by His life, by His Word, by His Spirit to actually fulfill that which God has called me to do, right? The law of Christ is not a new list of behavior. The law of Christ is not a, a new list of behavior without, right? Behavior without. But a new treasure and master within. See, He's now my Lord. He's now my Savior. There's now a new treasure and a master within me. So the law of Christ is enabled because He now enables me to do it, right? That's why, and I shared it last week, I think it was in John 13, I think 33, 34, when Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. It wasn't a new commandment, but it was a new commandment. Why was it a new commandment? Because they were now commanded to love, but they were commanded to love not by the old law, which is by their own efforts and trying and striving. They're now commanded to love through the empowering of Jesus Christ. They was now going to live inside of them and by His Spirit. So now they could truly love. They could really be love, right? See, the law of Christ is not easy because it's greasy or permissive. It is easy because when we are weak, He is strong. It's easy because He produces the fruit of love. See, Christ never commanded us to do anything that He wants us to do on our own. Therefore, every command in the law of Christ is a call to faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each one will bear his own load. Now, there's an interesting thing there where you might think this seems to contradict itself. So I'll just quickly 
touch on that. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So the reality here is a lot of the time in the church, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't know if you've ever heard that saying. It's found in Proverbs 32. No, no. Um, there's no Proverbs 32, just in case you... Um, the, the reality is, is that he's talking about um, con- confronting a situation. Uh, he's talking about, in this particular case, a burden. The burden, we often look as a burden of a whole bunch of other stuff. You know what different things are burdens. But there's also the burden of sin. He's saying when you confront that thing, uh, often we go like, no, I don't, I, 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 I'm, I'm, it's just, I'm not strong enough to confront it. And we talk like it's a problem of self-esteem. Well, I don't want to confront it because of fear. But Paul tells us here very quickly, he says, hold on a minute. The problem here is that if anyone thinks uh, he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. The problem is actually we think of ourselves that we're something. If you think of yourself that you're something, that you will, you, it'll stop you from fulfilling the law of love. Right? Anyway, that... Let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. What is he simply saying there? He's simply saying, don't measure yourself by someone else. Don't go, hold on a minute, but what about uh, Damien? He's got his head in the clouds. He's so tall, he doesn't... Uh, <laughs> you can't, I can't compare myself to Damien as some kind of measure. Well, I'm better than Damien, Lord. Each one tests his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Test your own, your own heart. Where are you at? What are you doing in your life? Not where how everyone else is, and hey, I'm doing better. Everyone else has got an average of 75. I've got an average of 80. That's not going to help, right? <laughs> I can see some of you have got frowns on their face. Like, oh. It's higher grade, I know. No, I'm joking. For each one will have to bear his own load. It's not a contradiction. Everyone has to bear their own load because you and I are accountable for what we carry. But as the people of God, if I'm to fulfill this law, there's something got to change in my heart and in my life. I'm no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. Things have changed now. I've yielded and given up my life to Him. Right? Let me read you quickly. 2 Corinthians Five, I'll just read it. Damien can quote it, but I'll just read it. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. For the love of Christ controls or compels us. Because we have concluded this. The reason why the love of God compels and controls me is because I've concluded this. That one has died for all. Therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Woo! The love of God now compels me, it controls me because I have this one conclusion that I've made is that one died for all and all have died. And the reason why he died was so that I could now live for him. My life is no longer my own. My, my life has now been bought with a price. I'm now his and he wants me to operate under the law of liberty. He wants me to operate under the law of love. He wants me now to begin to operate in love. He wants me to operate with the empowering of Christ to be who Christ called me to be. He wants me to operate in the empowering of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of Christ is inside of me, enabling me to do what I cannot do, right? Then last scripture, um, Romans chapter 9, and I'm landing. 
And while you're in Romans chapter 9, forget about that. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. <laughs> Just checking. No, I'm not checking. Okay. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Listen from verse 19. This is Paul speaking. For though I am free from all, do not be yoked again to a yoke of slavery. For Christ has set you free. So now I am free, completely free. Paul is completely free. You and I are completely free. And then he says this. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Can you see a common thread here? Win. That I might win some. That I might win some. That I might win some. I have become a servant to all that I might win some. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I have become a servant of all, because my heart and desire is Jesus loves people. I want to be loved to those people. I'll be whatever God wants me to be so that I can love those people so that I can win some. Win some from the destruction. Win some from the destroyer. Win some from the wrath of God. Win some from those that are being beaten and, 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 and trodden on by this world and the circumstances and situations of this world. And then he goes on to say, uh, he says that I might save some. Win some, save some. And then verse 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. There is something here, church, if you can catch hold of it, that in this new dispensation, in this new uh, time in the Lord where we have been renewed, where we're perfect, where everything is great, God's saying, I want you to now operate in love. And this love is so powerful, it's so beautiful. There's something that God is, is empowering us with and it's all for the sake of the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it ends by saying that I may share with them in its blessings. We want to be partakers of the gospel. You want to share in the blessing of the gospel. Be careful that while you are so busy doing a whole bunch of stuff, you don't protect your heart that you lose out on being a partaker of the gospel. So he's saying, Listen, if you operate in this love, then you will not only be a partaker, but we will win some and we will save some. And I have to land. We won't look there. I have to land, but I want to say this. I want to say this very clearly and categorically to us as a church. I believe, I believe with all my heart that the next step that God wants to take us into is He's been positioning us in understanding the gospel. He's been positioning us so that we're not caught under guilt or condemnation or shame. He's been positioning us so that we can come boldly into His presence and stand before Him naked, warts and all. Now, you know I'm talking metaphorically and not 
Uh, <laughs> I'm talking the heart, right? We understand that. I don't have to, shouldn't have to explain that, but um, just in case somebody thinks I've got some doctrine where we go stand before the Lord naked. No, um, what I'm saying is that we come, we come freely, we come boldly, we're not ashamed, we, we, don't, we bring, out, bring our everything. Because the heart's desire is to yield everything to the Lord. Take it all, Lord. So I can't say take it all, but I'm just, um, you, you can't see this one. Um, he sees everything, right? He's God. But He wants you to come and He wants you to be naked but unashamed before Him. He wants you to come into that place where His light can shine. Because how many know that you don't hide a light? The Bible says that, Matthew 5, verse whatever. Um, it says that we don't, we don't, it's like a city on a hill. You don't put it under a basket. You don't hide it, but you let it shine so that others can see your light and, and bring glory to, to God, right? So our light is there to bring glory to Him. Now, do you think it brings glory if we, if we hide? Do you think it brings glory if we, if we don't allow His light to shine in the truth of who we are? We are not the great pretenders, right? Jesus actually is the only one for me who never, ever pretended. He was true life. He was truth. And, uh, and I want to be like Him. So I come into that place and I say, Lord, I want to live. I want to be empowered by You. And I want to be transformed into who You made me to be. And that's love, right? Um, and love, love that comes from a place um, of Holy Spirit empowered, right? Galatians 5, you go look at it there, whatever, and that... It, we, it's a place where you're walking in the Spirit, spiritual people, walking in the Spirit, led by the Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So love that's being led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, but love that's also in faith. Right? Galatians 5, 6, circumcision and uncircumcision counts for nothing but faith working through love. So it's a powerful people that are putting their confidence, putting their trust, putting their faith in Jesus Christ, who's now inside of them, who's empowering them to now live out love. And the Holy Spirit is also working within them. So faith is operating through love. Love is beginning to operate through our lives. And we are beginning to minister and touch lives and change lives because I'm no longer my own. I'm no longer now um, free for myself. I'm free so that I can be a slave to others. See, when the church gets to this place where they're no longer living for themselves, but they're living actually for others, where they actually can say, bear one another's burdens so that I can fulfill this law in my life. I'm not going to just, it's not my problem. Uh, you need to go speak to somebody else. I don't care. I can't not care because I love them and love wants to reach out. Love wants to touch them. And I'm seeing that the person is walking in something that's not probably right. And I'm not going to be one who's going to throw out um, the, 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 the water of of the dirty water of, of pride, um, but, and also throw out the baby of confrontation. So I want to be one that comes and that confronts, but I want to make sure that I check my heart and that I come in a spirit of meekness, which is the twin of humility. So there, there's just a, I don't want to come in pride, as twin is boasting. I want to come where there's just a yielded love, where I want to come and serve you. I want to say, how can I help you? I want you to walk free. I want you to walk in liberty. I want you to, to, to encounter the love of God so that you can also become His love, right? Amen. So, so my heart is that when we preach the gospel, truly how we preach the gospel, the question that Paul was asked and we all get asked is that, so shall we, what shall we do? Shall we just sin? And Paul goes, God forbid, Right? And then we re realize and understand that, yes, we, this has all been done to us 
uh, and for us on behalf, of, uh, Jesus has done it on our behalf, that we now stand before Him righteous, pure. God never sees us uh, with any sin. He's now looking at us going, I, I love you, you're so wonderful, you're so powerful. I'm, I'm in that freedom now where nothing is, 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 is a yoke, nothing is a burden, and nothing is stopping me because of the weightiness of guilt or shame or condemnation or whatever it is. But in that freedom, Paul is saying now, the church needs to rise up to maturity, which means it now has to begin to operate and do the works. Do the works. That's why God could say the works that have been prepared beforehand for you to walk in. There's works that you have to now do. It's the work of love. It's a work of ministering and reaching out. It's a work of, of the heart of one who's got a greater lover, who lays everything else down for his love for him, who loves him so much and will now begin to minister. And so the church rises up with such power and so strength, not in arrogance, not because, hey, listen, I'm, God doesn't see me like that. Let's drink a pina colada. I'm talking about a church that's mobilized where Paul could say, not I, the grace of God. I'm consumed. I'm controlled. I'm compelled by the love of God because Jesus died and I died. And because I died, He rose again now that in my life I would live for no one else, but I live for Him and Him alone and for His glory and for His purposes and for His plans. And His purpose and His plan is love. That's why we've got a beautiful, uh, our, our declaration is love lived out. Uh, 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 and Colossians 3 verse 14 um, are the two scriptures that we, when we get a building where we can, we'll put it back on the, on the walls. It's, it's, it's uh, the aim of our charge is to love. It's the aim of our charge is to love. It's from a, a, a pure heart, a, a clear conscience. I've been talking about a clear conscience and from sincere faith. That's what we're called to do. And then you go to Colossians 3, 14, which is talking about love. Um, when she put on all those things, it talks about putting on humility, meekness, um, uh, kindness, forgiveness, and all of that stuff. And then it says, and above all these, put on love, which puts, pulls everything together in perfect harmony. The church operating in perfect harmony. We put on all that other stuff, but we put on love, and then we can begin to operate in what God's called us to do. So God's positioning us. He's ready. He's launching us off, and He's launching us off not as, woo-woo-woo. He's launching us off as love bullets, as fire, fireballs of love uh, that just consumes people where they just get so loved. I'm not pointing a finger, I'm not picking on you. I'm not, it's not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're doing right. You're doing wrong. No, this is just pure, unadulterated love. Amen. Shall we stand?